0: Welcome to Soul Stirrings, a podcast where all things regarding faith, communication, and culture are considered. I'm your host, Paul Patton, and here's hoping for at least a couple of grins and maybe one strange amen. In my fifth podcast on the series, Stewarding the Stirrings of the Soul, I'm hoping to do a wrap-up kind of challenge hopefully motivating you as a listener to uh, take seriously the uh, the gift of Shema that hub of our cognitive wheel around which all other ideas and thoughts even temptations shall we say are contextualized and submitted to speaking generally about the importance of stewarding the stirrings of the soul uh, transcending the temptation to think that I don't really have to memorize anything because I can just look it up and I'm here to assert that that is at some level part of the arrogance of literacy I don't need to memorize anything In sixteen sixty eight, a twenty six year old William Penn, of course the founder, the Quaker founder of the state of Pennsylvania, would sit as a prisoner in the Tower of London, incarcerated for his defiance of preaching restrictions imposed by the Church of England and reinforced by the king. Given allowances by the throne, particularly because his father was a chief aide, the young William Penn was given paper and pen to write his repentant confession upon which he would be quickly released from the Tower of London. However, filled with conviction and courage, Penn instead writes, and in fact, what he wrote is worth memorizing, very inspiring in my view. Let this prison cell be my grave. I shall not budge a jot, for I owe my conscience to no mortal man. And with the paper provide provided for his confession, William Penn went on to write the famous tract No Cross, No Crown. It was not only a significant essay for early Quakers, but one voicing convictions that would subsequently nourish and refine larger portions of the Church. His short book, written in the Tower of London, contains 68 citations 68 citations, quotes from a variety of sources. All of them are cited without the aid of a reference library or access to any books at all. The tower was absent, of course, of any such academic luxuries. William Penn could not look them up in a book. They were all retrieved from his formidable mind, hosting an ever-deepened what I call sacred interiority. One of my favorite examples of the importance of stewarding the stirrings of the soul, something that inspires you, something that moves you, a text, a statistic, a story, being alert to when you're inspired and then saying to yourself, I want to steward that. Perhaps one of the the best things to do Uh, when you're starting this program is to get a journal it can be digital or it can be a manual journal and when uh, something hits you that you want to remember put it in the back of the journal and then say to yourself look at I'm I'm, uh, on a memorization program where I will try to discover my memorization pace and be patient with yourself uh, don't try to take on too much, but be alert when you are being st- inspired. As Abraham Joshua Heschel said, as I said in an earlier podcast, inspiration passes, but having been inspired never passes. In other words, if, again, you can retrieve that inspiring quote, that inspiring truth uh, on command as circumstances invite you to redeem it, It becomes an oasis of the mind whenever you need it. On occasion, when I'm talking with students or any audience about stewarding the stirrings of the soul, someone will inevitably say, well, why bother? I can just look it up. And with the incredible speed of smartphone apps, information, including inspiring quotes, stirring references, can be retrieved in seconds but as i've mentioned before it's often two seconds too late missing the opportunity the exact moment invites you to redeem but the why bother i can look it up orientation is dominating the sensibilities of the techno-urban dweller in the 21st century for instance, need to know the name of the fourth bishop of Antioch, the third Roman emperor, the World Series champions of the last 40 years? The answer on our second screen smartphone is provided quicker than the time it takes you to look it up in the encyclopedia, in the bookshelves upstairs. We no, We no longer need to memorize our cell phone numbers. We can simply look it up. But again, in those circumstances where we need to be able to immediately retrieve a redeeming truth or clarifying fact, be it through a timely story or a pertinent quote, most of us oftentimes come up empty. Yes, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, yet too often our heart is filled with the binding and blinding effect of divided desires dulled by perpetually competing voices that are not consistently silenced by one champion voice. Again, I urge you to consider stewarding the stirrings of the soul. The prophet Jeremiah, sometimes referred to as the weeping prophet, based on his wish to have a fountain of tears with which he might weep for the slain of his own people, was clearly depressed, an emotional state that appears to be an occupational hazard for the classical Hebrew, Hebrew prophets. Ministering in Judah in the 6th century and just before the Babylonian destruction of Jerusalem and the temple in 586 BC, Jeremiah bemoans, I have been robbed of peace. I've forgotten what prosperity is. I've for- I've I've lost my splendor and all that I'd hoped for from the Lord is gone. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. A lament found in chapter 3 of Lamentations verses 17 through 20. So what does Jeremiah do in his despondency? Filled with gloom, he suddenly turns his gaze heavenward and says, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. What he next calls to mind is very familiar to many, since it provides the chorus in the glorious hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Jeremiah proclaims, Because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Here, Jeremiah is calling to mind from his internal mental bank of stored insights an overarching assertion that therapeutically shakes his tower walls of isolation and dejection and depression. The mental act of retrieval, as well as the theological truth he retrieves, allows him to be freed from a prison of despair and re-experience the gift of hope the necessary grace for any journey requiring endurance, for hope is the purpose behind persistence. We restock our too often barren pantry of sacred interiority by committing to memory soul stirrings. Stewarding inspirational encounters requires a decision to live actively with the acknowledgement that there are certain truths that lend themselves to wise, loving, and authentic authentic living in every moment. Insights worth memorizing, worth retrieving regularly, and warranting meditation. Paul's encouragement to the church at Colossae to let the word of Christ richly indwell you resonates deeply, not as a mere suggestion, but as a command to deepen mental retrieval regarding the wisdom of Jesus. And for disciples of Christ, his words are the central reference point around which other insights, truths, and awakenings orbit. And again, not only the words of Christ, but words from the apostles, the psalms, the patriarchs, church mothers and fathers, or anyone else that inspires us to wisdom and spiritual victory can become an immediate escape from the mental turmoil of boredom and distractions that promote envy, lust, and worry. Again, steward the stirrings of your soul. Take seriously when you're inspired. In my next Podcast, I'm hoping to devote a single show to uh, the devotional discipline of daily Bible reading. I'm going to offer some hopefully uh, helpful suggestions for effectively growing in your knowledge of the Scripture through the habit of daily Bible reading. Thanks so much for joining me on Soul Stirrings.